the name Corp Paint came about. But nature just felt kind of electric jolt. The real ugly side of, of humanity. And their music sounds like it. I always wanted to be a band that was approachable to people, that was just regular ass people. Yo, what's up? So before I start this episode, I want to bring up two really good friends of mine that I've met along the way. They've been the backbone and really the biggest supporters of this podcast since day one. Everything visually you see with this podcast has been done by Wither Designs and Benny Bones Art. And it could be your band next. Check them out on social media. Get yourself something unique and original. And yeah, let's do this. So I don't know if you looked into anything about my my podcast, but it, it's all metal bands. Cool. Um, and... I started to branch out into like the indie rock realm. Uh-huh. And it's kind of funny because your band was one of the first ones I found and then I kind of got into this like rabbit hole of like not listening to metal and listening to more like indie stuff, which is yeah, really right. funny. So yeah, thanks for uh making good music. I don't know. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I noticed you in, I, I I noticed um one of the episodes you interviewed someone from Full of Hell. And uh Oh shit. I, Are you friends with them? Uh I we spent uh I think his name's is it Sam the bass player? We Yeah, years, Sam. Yeah, years ago we stayed with him in Ocean City, Maryland on our first ever tour of the US when we had a we had a couple of days off. Um so whenever I see him around, you know, you know how it is you cross paths at, at the most random times sometimes we always catch up and say say what up yeah he's a good guy yeah i would i would assume like being in the california scene like you see a whole bunch of fucking faces all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, exactly yeah there's a lot of a lot of people coming through it's one nice thing about living here for sure so uh, that yeah. and also being um just one flight home if anything crazy happens is nice not having to do like multiple flights so if you were told um if you were told that coming to the United States the only option was California um would you go anywhere else or do you think the music scene is like perfect in California cuz I've heard I've heard mixed reviews about this where um people are like oh you know it's way too overpopulated um and then there's the opposite end where people are like Oh, California, like it's still thriving. It's still doing great. It's a good question. I think for me personally, I feel really at home here now. Um, but in saying that I do, like I didn't grow up in a city or anything like that. We can, yeah, we can get into, get into all of this when we want to, uh, we want to kick it off. But yeah, I didn't grow up in a city. So I, I yearn sometimes for the quiet life and uh, I'd love to be able to, do a bit of both, you know, have a spot in LA and then spend most of my time out somewhere quiet. <laughs> um, yeah. And be touring enough no, totally. to like not miss city life, you know? Um, yeah. So hopefully in the next couple of years, that'll be a reality. I'm trying to work towards it. Um, but no, we're, we're super lucky here. Like um, Gibby, one of the, one of the guys from, uh, from our label is out here. So we see him quite a lot and, our manager's based here and um it just kind of i think it just makes sense for us um i'm definitely more of a more of a west coast uh guy than an east coast guy it seemed like a lot of your music videos like um i'm not sure if that's where your base like it it was very like country life is is that where like the band is like around or are you guys like in the city of california oh we're in we're in los angeles yeah um will and i we live 
about a five minute drive, maybe less. Depends if there's a Dodgers game on like there is today. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, I think we're just drawn a lot to openness and open spaces when it comes to like the visual element of the band, um, right? And trying to avoid the the cliches and tropes of somewhat post punk leaning music surrounded in cities and griminess, and I feel like we've we've already done that. So yeah, yeah. I thought I think the coolest thing about it is like you kind of based like the whole release well a lot of your releases on like you know going on that trip out to the middle of nowhere and then like the album cover had to do with it and then you know the video had to do with it it was very conceptual whereas a lot of bands you know they'll throw like at least metal bands they'll put a drawing on it and then the video will be totally different from right. what the artwork is yeah i think i think for death bells um the visual side of it is a huge deal um will who sings he's a graphic designer so oh he's very uh yeah he's he kind of maps uh, him and our our friend colin fletcher he's an incredible art director they they map everything out ahead of time and uh i'm i'm always happy with whatever they end up doing so i'm kind of just a i just shake my head and nod my head and say yes to their ideas and uh yeah for for the last lp new signs of life that cover actually was uh, uh lauren bailey who has a a little imprint called chaotic no good who she makes like incredible jewelry and puts out bands and does great t-shirt designs. she uh, made that the little tombstone type thing out of clay and uh then colin lauren and will were at the beach uh trying to shoot the album art and uh, one of them just dropped on the ground and hit a rock and shattered and then colin was like oh that looks pretty cool let's just use that so that's kind of how that art originated which wasn't exactly the plan but turned out pretty cool so another thing that i noticed about your band is like uh the social media right now at least instagram is very like vague a lot of what you guys do is more like the visual video aspect of it like for example like there was like six i think it was like five or six music videos um and then social media is kind of vague um do you feel like music nowadays like the the unknown is kind of lost like like for example bands nowadays they have to be so active on social media where it's like you know every piece and part about the band i am in a hundred percent agreement that the mystery is gone uh, if i had it my way yeah. i wouldn't be posting anything um just like looking back even to uh, you know i'm not i'm not a super old um old head but just growing up kind of when myspace was semi on the way out and then uh you know i think i was i think i was 17 or 18 when instagram really started popping off um yeah it was just a a little different and i i enjoy keeping a little bit and keeping people guessing um i definitely personally love not flooding the algorithm but hey it's what you got to do these days to get any traction i think um 
Yeah. But yeah, I like I like right. the unknown. I like I like the mysteriousness sometimes and I think that bands who can pull it off and you know some bands not having social media or some bands never posting and then they just kind of appear out of the out of the darkness and you know mesmerize and then disappear back into the darkness i think that's really special and um we kind of go for a less is more approach um especially Mm -hmm. when there's not really you know if you're in between release cycles and you're not touring um I don't really know what we struggle sometimes to be like, what should we post about? We're not really, you know, we're working on stuff always, but I feel like it's not relevant enough to share. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, what do you think is like enough to share? Maybe like an actual album release or like a music, like the only thing I really saw was like an album release, like vinyl drops and then like a music video. Yeah. And maybe like shows, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, Hey, you know, this is like behind the scenes shit. Um, you know, right? Or just like random pictures of you guys hanging out, like because a lot of bands do that, right? Yeah, and you more know. power to them too. You know, I'm not one to judge, um, but yeah, I think with that stuff, um, for me, it's more physical. Like, there's a I've got a couple plans for the for the uh for the next lp to do some physical releases you know documenting some of the behind the scenes stuff that we haven't done before Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm a big fan of physical media still so i think saving some of that for those opportunities and it for it to be fresh i think will be cool um right but yeah that's a good that's a good uh that's a good notice (laughs) good pickup that's good because i i was like i hope i'm not super far off on this but like you you guys have a lot of like views on YouTube and stuff and then social media you guys are like fuck it dude like we'll post once in a while and i'm like this is amazing to me because like i feel like every like a good majority of bands like 90% it's just like a post every like 2 3 days week and it's not like you said it's not a bad thing but um i don't know like some of the some of the musicians i've met over the years um I think it's kind of funny when you meet them and you're like, wow, this guy's a really nice dude. Or like, this guy's kind of a dick, but, (laughs) but it's all up to, you know, the actual interaction. And if everything's out there on social media, like you would kind of figure that out really quick. Right. Yeah. That's pretty astute. Um, I mean, uh, Hey, we might be doing it wrong. (laughs) You know, we, we, maybe we should should be posting more, but I, I, yeah, Will and I, Will and I are kind of, we're comfortable, comfortable with how we're, how we're going about it. And I think also like, it might be cliche of me to say, but trying to make the music speak for itself a little more. Um, no, and we do, and we do put a lot of effort into the visual side of the band, you know, with the videos and, um, you know, last gosh, during COVID we drove out to, uh, Bombay beach about three hours from LA and did a remote live session there that we filmed with our uh our good friend travis waddell who's done a done a couple of videos for us now and um you know that was a lot of work and it was hot and instruments were going out of tune and it was kind of crazy but we thought yeah that- it seemed like it seemed like quite the production man i i do video myself i i film uh-huh often um and i was like holy shit man like they mic'd everything up it was outdoors i could just imagine like the amount of factors that went into that video, like you got to work with the weather, 
you got to work with, you know, power issues. You got to work with, you know, wind. Um, yeah. How we, the fuck did you even, yeah, how did I you can, even pull it off to get a good recording? Yeah, I can, I can tell the story for sure. So we, we rented, so that area of, uh, California is very lawless. Uh, Bombay Beach is uh, the Sultan Sea is an ecological disaster, unfortunately, and uh, it's slowly evaporating and releasing a bunch of toxic chemicals. And the population's been dwindling out there for for a long time. Um, and it, the majority of people drawn out there these days are artists and um, you know people who are trying to escape. I I, I think that would be a, an apt term. Uh, escape yeah. the reality of america and yeah we just we rented a generator from home depot and put it as far away as possible from the shoot and just ran a bunch of extension cords um andrew oswald he's a incredible engineer um he works at a studio called paradise where we have recorded um the first lp on deus new signs of life and uh, the majority of uh, the upcoming release uh, and he was playing bass for us for that session and he was uh you know running between the the mixing desk that he brought out there and oh, making wow. sure everything was okay <laughs> and then we would do a take and then he would go and check it and then yeah and we i think we started at about five in the morning that day i was um, about to say if 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 you did that it must have been an early day. Yeah, because... yeah, it was early. It was really early, and then by the time we were wrapping, it was still the morning, but it was just getting too hot. Because yeah, out there, you know, one ten, one fifteen—that's a regular summer's day. Oh fuck! I forgot the temperature factor. Yeah. But yeah, th- <laughs> those, that, that side back. of the band, uh, I feel like you know we're extremely lucky and we're extremely blessed to have so many friends who are down to do out there ideas and. Uh, you know, make stuff for the art rather than uh-huh. making stuff to have to churn out content. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm really thankful for everyone who's ever been involved in any of the visual side of the band because we couldn't do it without our friends, in all honesty. Our ideas are too crazy and we need crazy friends to help. Yeah, I was just talking to like literally a friend that I'm going to do a video for um, he was just talking about like finances of a, of a band, you know, somewhat of the popularity of you guys where um, you guys have a following, but at the same time, like having a friend, just makes it so much easier um, because like film crews are so fucking expensive nowadays or any type of like crew, you know, or going to the studio. It's just, if you have a friend to record your music, that's like, you know, a key to success really. It's it's really hard. It's really tough. And uh, Will and I have kind of always operated death bells on the as lean, mean fighting machine as possible. Um, yeah. With recording and, uh, you know, just trying to get everything done. Uh, the way that we've always done stuff with our, with our backgrounds. Um, you know, I grew up going to hardcore shows in a town called Byron Bay in Australia. So famous for Parkway Drive and 50 Lions and a bunch of other bands in in that type of scene. So I've always been around and very lucky to be around kind of the DIY culture um, back at home. And Will was the same in Sydney. And we've kind of just tried to keep that mantra as the band's gotten a little bigger and, you know, there has been some type of budget so that we can make the most of it and not 
waste that money because it's yeah like you were saying it can go in one video you can blow thousands and thousands of dollars and it's tough to uh to justify it these days because while we do love making the visuals and it means a lot to us with the band it's like how much traction are we getting versus you know when you do that cross the x's and o's it's like is this worth spending a bunch of money on or should we just you know make something cool with our friends like that uh the new video for life spring uh it's a one shot continuous drone uh, that will uh, was flying from the, with start the bike of, right what was that sorry was that the one with the bike yeah 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 so yeah that's a fucking killer video thank man. you thank you so the story it's just behind so, that it's is, so simple but it's just like yeah it's perfect man yeah that was that was a will that was a will canning idea so he uh he thought it would be cool to just do a one-shot video and because the night before actually we filmed another video that's coming out uh it'll be out by the time this is released i'm sure uh a new song called hysteria which is more of a performance video so we we wanted to just get to crack down in one weekend so we drove out to paris and uh the inland inland empire and we were just trying to scope a cool location and we managed to find that thankfully because it turned out to be a, a really kind of beautiful scene. And Will bought the drone on Amazon the week before and was just practicing how, learning how to control Whoa. it. <laughs> um, That's sick. And then uh, it may or may not have been returned back to Amazon after the video shoot was complete. Um, <laughs> we'll not confirm nor deny those rumors. Uh but yeah, we were just, you know, we ran it a bunch of times and we got a take where we were like, hey, it's it's not 100% perfect, but it looks pretty cool. And uh, there's a little Easter egg in that video too, if, if anyone watches it who's listening and takes a look about halfway through the video. If you look to the left, there's two uh, ATVs just screaming, screaming on another trail that kicks up all this really cool dust. And uh, once we viewed the playback and we didn't realize that when we shot uh that round of it but once we looked at it we we're like ah oh, this is the one like we can't we can't not have it it was kind of too perfect yeah without a doubt um so i mean you were talking to me earlier you you seem a, like a very busy guy in your personal life and i don't know how how much in depth you want to go with this i mean this is totally private um but uh you know, working like your day job and managing a band, how has this changed the way that you like approach music? I guess my question to you is, if you want to answer is what is, what is your like day job? Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm lucky enough to still work in somewhat creative field. I do a lot of writing um, professionally. So whether that be copywriting or editing books, um, I was also speaking to you before I've been editing podcasts as well um, previously and yeah it can be tough and Will's the same Will Will's an incredible graphic designer and if you he doesn't he's kind of like me where we keep our keep our professional lives I guess a, a little separate from the band but if there's a shirt from an artist that's been in the been in the charts or has been influential then he's probably done a design for them um, oh wow but yeah that's a great question it can be tough it can be tough for sure and this year i've really been trying to while we're not touring right now kind of work as much as possible and then hopefully 
you know, once the new record comes out, we've got some tours lined up and then we can take a break from the nine to five and just hit the band as hard as we can. Um, but yeah, it's time management can be difficult. Sometimes you can't work on music as much as you want to. And sometimes, you know, you got to cancel things and it's, I think it's honestly, I think it's just the norm though for, for anyone making any sort of subculture music these days. It's, it's always a balancing act in an imperfect world. We'd all be able to just pay 200 bucks a month rent and just make music every day and maybe work a, a bar shift or two. Um, but definitely out where we live, that's not the reality. Um, but in saying that too, very lucky and feel very blessed to be able to juggle both and even to have the opportunity to be over here, to, to have a visa to, you know, follow music is it's uh, something that a lot of people try to get. And we were lucky enough to get the band to a stage where we could have a body of work that would get us the boxes ticked from us immigration to, to get us over here. So yeah, it can be tough, but also knowing that we're here for music is, is a big pushing, pushing factor for me to, to move forward and, you know, if I'm having a bad day at work, just remember that the reason I'm here and that this is just a job. And once I close the laptop for the night, then I can kind of get into what I really want to do, which is, you know, make music with my friends. Right. Now, how do you, I guess, um, when I write music, I'm a guitar player myself, um, trying to learn drums. I'm just, I'm all over the place, but um, when it comes down to writing guitar, um, I have to be in the right mindset. Like there's gotta be like no pressure. There's gotta be a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things set in place where I'm just like, all right, it's time to write. And I'm actually going to be productive. Um, for me, that's like literally just sitting in front of like the screen I'm looking at right now and just, you know, hashing out riffs and recording it. Um, some people do it old school, uh, but I guess for you, what do you uh, what do you do for riff writing? There's a couple different things for me. I think it really just depends on the situation. In a perfect world, it would definitely be like uh, what you just mentioned. You know, getting into the headspace and just sitting down and having no distractions. But in all honesty, a lot of the time, never happens. <laughs> we're working under deadlines. Yeah, and the, there was a couple songs in the new record that we we kind of cranked out <laughs> cranked out in one one or two nights right before uh we had to actually record them if we wanted to to make the deadline that we ended up making so the record would be out uh in july so yeah it really depends and it also depends what projects i'm writing for as well like with death bells will and i are extremely collaborative because the core members are just us two uh we mm -hmm. came over in 2018 with the band and then uh, at the end of a lot of touring the guys decided that wasn't for them anymore and they went back so then will and i've kept the fire burning and uh, lucky enough to get friends to help out with the live show and come in to record some parts if we need assistance um but yeah usually if i'm if i'm writing for death bells and i have time i'll I don't usually like to listen to much other music, to be honest. I kind of just like okay. to, to yeah. clear my head a bit and um, really sit with stuff. And usually we'll just demo into a computer or 
voice memo and then send it over to Will and we'll uh yeah, see see how it goes, sketch it out and the plan for the next album is to write everything before we start recording in the studio. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, it, it, it's a funny thing writing music and uh also writing as well just, you know, writing words because I do that all day. Um the headspace really determines everything, doesn't it? Like I think if oh, I'm yeah. going into something a little stressed, then the output might be a little stressy and maybe I'll be, you know, the the key of the song I decide to write in might be a bit sad or it, it might be a bit more, uh, it might be a bit, uh, a bit more moody, so to speak, less, less, uh, less happy days. Um, but that's why music's so beautiful too. And I think creating is so beautiful and it's what I live for because there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. And I'm sure there's been many songs we've written that, we weren't even trying to write a song, you know, we were just mucking around at practice or we were just hanging out and it just goes from there. And I think that just being able to have the opportunity and being able to just use your brain and think for yourself and kind of create something, no matter what the scale is, you know, no matter whether you're writing music, no matter whether you're writing poems, you're writing lyrics, whether you're sharing that with anyone or you're keeping it, you know, in your bedroom, I think it's all special and people who create and kind of have that in their brain to, to want to do that and follow through. And I think it's, I think it's amazing. So I'm always trying to think positively like that. If I'm having a bad day where I'm just being like, man, why can't I write this song? I, I can, I can feel it. I can, it wants to come out of me, but it's not happening. I, I just, I got to think back and just be grateful that I can even kind of comprehend everything that's going on, you know? Yeah. And like, I think it's kind of funny, like, because what I got out of that, I'm thinking of, like, a saying somebody told me a long time ago. I'm um, like, some of the some of the worst produced albums that have emotion are usually the most memorable. Like, let's put it this way. It's, you know, Jimi Hendrix, bro, he, he didn't have Pro Tools. He didn't have this, that, the other thing. Like, he had emotion. Right. Like, and I think that's the special thing about music nowadays. Um, like social media, everything's out there. Everything, everybody knows everything about this, that, the other thing. But like at the end of the day, it's really up to like your imagination. And like, I guess money can have some type of uh, impact on, you know, getting into the studio. But other than that, like you can feel it in the music, you know, like if, if somebody's having, like you said, like a bad day or a good day, um, yeah, we'll just I, be there. I and totally agree. And uh, I think that also now there's no excuses. You know, everyone, you know, you can download, you know, Reaper's free. You can yeah. get an interface been, for I, 50 <laughs> bucks off Craigslist. You can, yeah. you know, there's no, there's nothing really holding anyone back. And I think that's one cool thing that, you know, I'm, I'm, like we said earlier, I'm not the biggest proponent of continuously pushing yourself and on Instagram every hour posting new things. But one of the great things about this generation is that the accessibility is, you know, it can't even compare. Even to when I was a teenager, you know, it was still, there were still Pro Tools and there was still, 
garage van and logic but now it's like even it's even more accessible which is so fantastic and i think it's like also, nowadays you can buy sorry you can buy literally like an adapter like for your phone yeah you know have you ever heard like iGig or whatever yeah i know that stuff is crazy and i was just thinking that you know now we're unpacking this a bit more that the whole hyper pop and emo trap and that type of music i feel like that wouldn't exist without the accessibility that we have in the modern day you know because it's right that music is in some way a lot uh it's very i wouldn't say simple but it can be made very quickly and the formulas are very uh the very um simple to understand for anyone mostly i would say so that's how a lot of people are getting into making music now is you know just writing a two-minute song with a beat that's looped and then spitting some vocals over the top of it or whatever and i think that's great i think it's awesome that music's not the the gatekeeping so to speak compared to past yeah you don't have to be fucking motley crew level yeah like (laughs) well you don't have to come from a bunch of money or have like rich parents to to buy you studio time or you know meet the your mom's best friends yeah exactly being the manager and they've been managing bands for 50 years or yeah so with um having you know you and uh will like obviously the core members of this project um how would you say this has impacted like the progression of this pro uh project like for example like i've i've had a band in the past there was five of us um and it didn't last that long because you know just simple clashing of like personalities and this that the other thing you know how it goes but with two people making the decisions i feel like you guys can make a lot more moves in your end yeah i think it just you know, we've been, I met Will when he was 18 when we first started Death Bells. The first, I think the, f- the first day I ever met him was the day before we had our first practice and I was watching one of his other projects play a show um, back in Sydney. And since then, you know, he's my best friend now and we've been able to really get to know each other on a on a level of songwriting that makes things pretty, you know, there's always going to be some pushback you know, you can't always expect to be stoked on everyone's ideas. And I think you need to also reassess if you are stoked on everyone's ideas, because maybe you need to challenge yourself a bit more, but it definitely helps with, um, you know, getting ideas together and kind of, you know, sometimes less cooks in the kitchen can be better. Um, right. And then, yeah, we're so thankful and lucky that our friends in, in LA with us here, you know, on the, the latest record we've got some violins playing from uh one of our friends lena which was it just really really made those songs and uh we've got some piano from our good friend ari and another thing like yeah if if we didn't have access to those friends who are willing to come and lend us a hand i think the songs would turn out not, not as good um but it definitely does streamline things for sure um and being in the past with the band when there was, you know, five, sometimes six people, you know, more, more opinions usually mean more drama and. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that today 
if there were six people in the band, where do you think you would be with with the band in general? Like like right now, since the beginning of the project uh-huh. to right now, there were six people. Do you think that you would have recorded the amount of stuff that you've done, music oh, videos? That's a great um, question. Or do you think the band would just be demolished? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was pretty close to demolished at one stage with six people. So I I don't know, especially making the move to I think. You know, it was it was tough. It was really hard to move, you know, across the world to to play in a band where you know it's subculture music, and you know we're not selling out stadiums. You know, we're we're grinding. We're still grinding, and that was a choice we made, and we knew what we were getting ourselves into. But it can be really hard, and I think that what happens needed to happen for Will and I to keep. Uh, death bells going because with five or six other people yeah you know everyone's just got other stuff going on especially when you're when you're in your early 20s like i'm 27 now and oh shit you're only 27 i'm 22 (laughs) i'm I'm 27 i'll uh, be 23 (laughs) (laughs) will's even younger than me um and you know we moved here four years ago now so we were very early 20s when we moved here wait you said your brother's how old Oh, Will. No, Will. Sorry. Who, Will. Sorry. Yeah, he's. Uh, he's. I think he's twenty-five. I'm. I might be wrong. I think he's two years younger. Fuck, than dude. Or three years. You guys. You guys left pretty young then. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had a habit of that. Honestly, I. I. Uh, I finished school and then I moved to. I moved to Brisbane in Australia to to study and then I ended up in Leeds in England for a little bit and then I ended up back at home and then to to Sydney and now i'm here and yeah this is the longest i've lived somewhere since i was a teenager which is really funny to think about um now now is it like so when you moved here how how old were you two? Oh, i was i would have been 24 so yeah i'm 28 this year so this would be yeah, year four so i think will was 21 or 22 so getting to the united states was it an easy process or did they you know give you a hard time like did they ask you what are you coming here for no that's a great story so we actually uh we did a tour we toured the united states when we had one ep out that we released ourselves and then uh funeral party records based out of louisville did a did a u.s pressing for us and that tour was, uh, you know, it was a DIY tour. I'll leave it at that. And then the next time we came back, we came back with visas um, to do South by Southwest. We just had, um, we just had a visa so we could play those shows from memory. And while we were back in Australia after that, we had an email in our junk email that we didn't see for months, and uh, that was actually our to this day still our booking agent Natasha. And it all just kind of snowballed from there. So who knows what would have happened if we didn't check those junk emails and it would have disappeared. You know how they disappear after 90 days or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think it was just under 90 days. But yeah, after that, we, we were like, man, like this is a great opportunity. And so she said to move? Well, she just said, hey, like I, you know, I've, I, I want to book your band over here like what what are your plans and then we kind of had a you know in a nutshell you know this was a conversation that lasted for a long time but we decided that (laughs) let's go for it like what do we have to lose we're so young there's 
at that time in Sydney, there was, you know, there was girlfriends and there was jobs and stuff, but it was like, oh, not many people get the chance from Australia so young to, to get a visa to go over and, um, you know, see what happens. So we just wow. took that opportunity and uh, it was tough in, you know, of course, missing family, missing friends, a, a big life move, uh, relationships changed forever in some capacities, but I think it's worked out pretty good for us. I think uh, we're, we're going to keep, keep it, keep it going over here for the next how, how long knows how, who knows, but yeah, the plan is to stay here um, moving forward and yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a funny story that not many people know about. That's how we ended up here because we had a junk email from Natasha and she was able to help us with uh, getting visas. But yeah, it's it's expensive to, you know, getting immigration lawyers and getting all the paperwork is insane. You need letters kind of saying that you're, you know, well, you know, quote unquote, well known in the music industry which is like what does that even mean you know it's yeah what the fuck does that mean yeah it's so subjective so we i remember the first time we had to do those letters we were just wait a second you have to be well known to move here because of music uh, yeah well our visa right now is an o1 visa so the o stands for outstanding i believe so what the fuck yeah it's 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 really uh yeah it's really laborious and we we were just asking our friends who were way more successful than us, hey, can you write us letters saying that we're better than what we are or we're more notable? And then, you know, the, the visa, um, the process takes into consideration, like press you've had and and all that what? fun stuff. Wait, yeah. wait so what do, they, what do they base the popularity of your band off of like social media status listeners i don't think so because if that was the case we definitely wouldn't have been allowed to come over (laughs) um it's very odd yeah it is youtube views yeah i don't yeah yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know the exact uh the exact reasons why but i think a lot of it is to do with um you know if you if you show that you need to be here for a prolonged period of time you know so we would come with like tour itineraries being like hey this is how much we're touring. We need to be here and, and we're working and then you got to pay the taxes and all, all that fun stuff. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out for you guys because like every visa story I've ever been told is like, I'll tell you a little small story. Um, exhumed. They're a metal band, uh, from California they went overseas and the guy brought like a bullet belt and uh that was a bad he ended move. up going he yeah he ended up going to jail because of it and he lost his visa he lost like everything he didn't get to play the show but in general i just haven't heard good things about visas like yeah you know it's, it's just a process it's tough and also it um you know in in march 2020 someone's visa was running out and he had to go back to Australia to get a new one. And uh, Will also went at the same time as me, but for some reason his processed a little faster and he was able to get a flight out. Um, But I was in Sydney and when I was in Sydney, that's when uh, the US consulate closed. So I was stuck in Australia without a visa and then I had to get an emergency appointment and 
you know, rush a bunch of letters to then try get back to the States because this is right after we recorded New Signs of Life and we had to film music videos and all that fun stuff. Um, and then I couldn't get out of Australia, so I was stuck. You know, I was supposed to be home for wow. two weeks and I was stuck for nearly two months. Um, and if I, if the visa people would have processed my visa the same day they processed Will's and I would have been out of there and avoided that situation. So, Holy yeah, hell. a lot of our lives the last few years have <laughs> revolved around the <laughs> the U.S. immigration services, for better or for That's worse. That's crazy, man. I uh, I read a book about uh, this singer called Randy Blythe, and uh, he talked about he went to prison for basically he went overseas to play a show and somebody jumped off the stage and they accused him of murder for like pushing him. And, uh, so when he came back to the country, they brought him to jail. And, but the problem was they didn't have a translator. So this dude goes to jail and he couldn't talk to anybody because nobody understood like, like English. And it's just kind of odd to me where, you know, those type of services are just so hard, you know? Yeah. Like, if you get in trouble in a different country, like, you're telling me they don't have a translator on speed dial? Like, what? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's, uh, thankfully, we haven't had to deal with anything like that. But even, you know, yeah, sometimes getting over and getting back. Um, yeah, even, I mean, you know, the stories about every Ben has trying to get into Canada or even, you know, if you're, if you're steaming up the coast to play show in Vancouver, it can be sometimes not even worth it because you've got to wait for so long and the taxes of the merch you're bringing in and taking out and getting hassled yeah. if someone's had a bad day. It's, uh, yeah, we're at the mercy uh, of the, it's kind the, of fun. the borders. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, man, because I was just in Canada like a month ago and I had a bad day at work. And I said that to the guy when I was going across the border and I swear to fucking God, he thought I was like going to shoot up the country or something because he, he pulled me out of the car. He like questioned me. He like, he's like, did you hurt anybody before you came here? I'm like, no, like I had a bad day at work. I just want to come to Canada. Like Canada is very tough. Yeah. You know, what's funny too is, uh, we've had a lot of issues going into Texas before too with the, uh, I don't exactly know what they're called, but the Texas border patrol. Okay. Uh, I remember one fond evening. It was summer. It was a summer night, extremely late at night, actually around three thirty in the morning, if I'm remembering correctly. And, uh, we got pulled over at the stop and, uh, you know, a bunch of Australians driving a minivan, they uh, wanted us to all get out. We we're like, all right. Then they get the dogs out to search the van. And, oh my uh, god! Will had a, a he had a purple shampoo. I think he had blonde hair at the time. And uh, one of the dogs knocked over the shampoo in the back seat, and uh, not in the back seat. Sorry, on the, oh, on the no, floor of the van where cocaine. all the gear was, and uh, it made quite a mess. And we were asking the the fine fellows of the Texas border patrol, hi, like, can you help us with that? Or like, what can we do? And they just kind of looked at us and gave us like the most pitiful amount of paper towel you've ever seen in your life. And then they were like, okay, you guys are good to go. And we're like, thank you. This was, I'm so glad the tax dollars are going to this, you know? 
Yeah, you get like a getting your dogs one to like ply. yeah like spilling like this thick purple shampoo over god knows what what it spilt over but yeah it definitely oh, killed the mood man. for sure <laughs> wow That's so hopefully crazy, on man. our next hopefully on our next run uh we will not have to deal with any dogs knocking over shampoo are bottles. you planning on coming to Niagara Falls ish area or no? Where so yeah, so we have a record coming out in July, um, on Deus. Okay. Um, between here and everywhere is the title. And uh for the first time ever, I'm so excited and feel so grateful that we have this opportunity. But literally I think it's three days after the record drops, we're hitting the road and we're doing a full US. So all of August oh, we're gonna be on the road. I think uh I think the closest we get is I think it's Toronto. I don't think we're going to okay. Buffalo or that's uh, not far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, extremely, extremely excited for that. Um, and it's been a long time since we've played shows on the East Coast as well. I think the last time we played shows over there was 2018. So really excited to get back over and yeah, we're gonna head out and then take September off, and then October we're doing the all of October over in Europe for the first time, which is another kind of you know, with music and, and goals in music, I think it can be sometimes a bit, uh, I think it's a bit much and a bit stressful to, to put lofty goals on what you can achieve because music's so subjective and you never know what's what's going to hit or what's not going to hit. But something I've always wanted to do was do a, do a Europe tour. So we were lucky enough to do the UK in February for the first time and I'm so excited for October to play some countries that I've never been before and... Um, I've heard that it's a lot easier to tour Europe because there's usually accommodation at the venue and there's usually some food going around. So, and we'll have a driver, I think. So, I'm really looking forward so- to. Sounds sounds decent. That yeah, sounds like decent yeah. Tour. Looking forward to just hopefully just you know playing music and that's all I have to worry about. <laughs> smooth, smooth sound. Yeah, for the first time in in my quote unquote music career, I can just play music <laughs> for a month. Um, but yeah, that'll be really fun. I'm I'm really excited for that, and I can speak on behalf of Will too that he's really excited to kind of get out there and and play some new songs that we've had kicking around for a while, and for a lot of people too because New Sons of Life that album came out during uh, during the pandemic. It'll be the first time we're able to play those songs um, to awesome, a whole bunch of right? people because we 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 were only we've only toured the West Coast since that record came out. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, people have released fucking two albums, three albums since like the the pandemic. It's crazy because like bands come out with a whole freaking discography now. Yeah, yeah. Within those two years, three. Yeah, years. one of my one of my good friends, Ian. Uh, he has a band called Military Gun, and they uh, he started the band during COVID, and since then they they hit the road pretty much as soon as they were able to, and they're killing it. You know, they they've been they've been playing all over. It's funny how it can work the time that way. Off. Yeah, or just like, you know, if you have if you're conscious about your time and you you really want to do something, it's amazing what you can make happen if that's what you really really want to do. Um Right. And I oh, yeah, totally. and I feel very lucky that I've got a lot of people inspiring me in, in my life right now that are pushing me to to do more. Like this this past week, uh, I had some buddies from this band Provoker stay stay over with me. Um they're based in the in the Bay Area and we toured with them in November and they were in town um you know, writing songs with people. And I was like, oh man, this is so, this is so good to, to be around this environment, to get inspired in that way and kind of 
you know, no pressure, but just push, give me a little push to kind of maybe instead of just watching whatever show on HBO, I can get the guitar out or get the synth out and work on some stuff. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, I feel like if it was my full-time job to make art, it would be a totally different experience because I get, I don't know. When it comes to music, I get anxiety real easy. And I like get very like conscious of like, Oh, you know, this riff, this riff sounds like this guy, this riff sounds like that girl. Um, but I don't know. I feel like having the time off and not being so absorbed with the music, like in a live setting is, you know, helpful. Yeah, I I have been flow really. Like I think it really just depends on the situation. You know, I've I've come back from some tours sometimes and I've been so inspired to just write more and get the ball rolling and sometimes I don't even want to look at a guitar for the next 2 weeks. <laughs> yeah. And that's the same, you know, with balancing with balancing a day job. Um, you know, sometimes you just get crushed at work and you're so busy or, you know, you, you might mess up something or something doesn't go your way and that for some people that can kind of suck the life out of them, uh, in their personal time. But I try to, as much as possible, put that behind me and, you know, remember why I'm here and remember that, you know, I live the lifestyle and I choose to live the lifestyle I do juggling, you know, taking on a lot of work and then, stopping that work to then go on tour and then picking work back up. I do that because I'm here for music. So I kind of try to use that as my, my motivator. If I'm ever feeling like, Oh, like I just really don't want to make anything this week. I try to think back to that. And now this conversation, I'm publicly held accountable on the record. So if anybody ah. hears me complaining about <laughs> not feeling inspired, they can call me a hypocrite and tell me to listen to the podcast. <laughs> you need to listen to the podcast that you recorded. You inspired me, but you're not inspired. What the hell, man? <laughs> uh, that's funny. I'm sure I have some uh, friends that will do that. Um, all right. So I'd like to wrap this up by saying uh, thank you. This this podcast has been great. I took a long, long break from doing podcasts, um, like many months, and this is definitely an entrance back into getting – doing more so thanks for making this a good one. Oh, thank um, you yeah thank you for having me thank you for the for the uh enlightening conversation i'm always uh my friends i, th I think uh everyone who knows me personally would say that i'm i come off i think a little shy to people who don't know me but i'm really a chatterbox especially talking oh, about yeah. anything creative or the making of things you know it, it's something that i can i can talk about forever so um thank you for thank you for the chat and i feel lucky that uh yeah we could converse in this way and talk about some cool ideas and share some stories and yeah when the new when the new record comes out you have to get back on it we'll talk about it yeah we'd love know. to we'll, we'd we'll love go to. real in depth with it um so the last thing is uh i i pay to have my artist draw like custom artwork um is there a specific object that you think represents your band that Ooh. he could draw within the cover? One object. One to a single object to describe Death Bells. Yes. Oh, 
That's a fantastic question. I think I think for for everyone else besides me, it would probably be some type of alcohol. But I don't drink. Um, what would be for for both of us? You know what I think it would be. I think it would be a constant from the beginning of Death Bells to now has been reverb. I think maybe a reverb pedal. Okay. <laughs> or yeah, a delay pedal. Say, I was going to say that that's good. A big, a big thing of booze. People will be like, damn, this band like just drinks a lot. Yeah. Like, no, that's a, yeah, that's a great question though. It's a, you know, trying to think of motifs and, 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 uh, you know, physical objects that summarize the soundtrack to my twenties from growing up really, you know, it's, a. I think I'll be pondering that for a while. Maybe next so, maybe next episode I'll have a better answer. Okay, a reverb pedal. What uh let's get in let's let's dive deep into that real quick. What what reverb pedal is it? Well what which one do you usually use? Because I use uh the carbon copy. Mm, that's see, that's my choice. A thing about me that not many people probably know is that my pedal board right now, I think I bought one pedal in there for $20 off Amazon that was a tuner and somehow everything else has been gifted to me or I've quote unquote borrowed from friends and never given back. Uh, I honestly <laughs> don't even know the name of the reverb pedal I have right now. I used a, oh. uh, I used a, a hall of fame um, for a long time. Oh shit. I was about to say, cause that's my other one. Yeah. For two... the first, for the first LP standing at the edge of the world, a lot of, a lot of that, uh, the lead guitar sound and that was definitely drenched in, in the uh the hall setting on the hall of fame um that's that, a great pedal man yeah it is that it broke though i've still got it here but yeah it's just sitting it's just in in pedal abyss right now in my cupboard um and then after that i i had a rv7 for a while uh i think it's a digitech i might be wrong but uh, i think I, is that purple it's it's a red one I, th- I think a lot of the gaze heads the shoe gaze heads Use it for the uh, reverse reverb effect on it, um, but that is not me. It was just use, you know, for a bit of texture, and then yeah. Right now, Jeff, who has a wonderful band called Nummer, um, we actually swapped one day at practice. He was like, "Hey, you should try use this," and so he's got my reverb pedal, and I have his, and I think it's a reverb and delay. Um, like a, a two-in-one unit but i have no idea what brand it is or what it's called yeah i'll have to i'll have to, i looked up the rv7 i've never seen this pedal ever before so yeah i think i think i actually bought that one when i was living in leeds um i <laughs> i know we're, we're wrapping up here but a, a quick little a quick little end point is that when death balls first started i was the idea of death balls first started i was living over in england and i kind of agreed to yeah, I'd love to play guitar, you know, when I'm back and I could fly to Sydney because I wasn't, I wasn't going to be living in Sydney at the time. I was going to be living back at home with my parents until I finished my degree. And I, uh, I kind of agreed to the band and said I was down, but I didn't really know how to play guitar. So the first, one of the first things I did was buy a guitar over there and get a couple pedals and uh, yeah, learn, <laughs> learn how to play guitar. Or to learn how to play the pedals, because that's yeah, what I did. Yeah, learn how to play the pedal pedals, especially the back fucking in those wah days. pedal, man. The yeah. wah pedal makes you sound like this. The next 
Kirk from Metallica, <laughs> man. Like, yeah, that's true. Learning, learning kind of how to hide my absolute lack of technical skill and ability behind <laughs> layers of delay and reverb. Uh, and you can hear that on the first EP for sure. <laughs> uh, oh, man. 